Welcome to Pop Culture Legends, a mini-series from Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast. Pop Culture Legends explores the spaces in between mainstream and esoteric across the world of media. There's a lot to unbox across our favorite properties, and some stories aren't always well-known. We hope you enjoy the spaces in between those spaces. Today's legend explores the National Treasure film franchise and how real history rolled its way into a blockbuster film. While the 2004 story of conspiracy and a race against time captivated millions of people, just how much of it was true? Was there more to the story than we give it credit for? Join us as we examine the fine line between fact and fiction. Two thousand four might feel like quite a long time ago, but before this year in pop culture history, no one was uttering the line, "I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence." That all changed when Walt Disney Pictures launched the beginning of an action-adventure franchise that combined real-life historical events and the undeniable charm of Nicolas Cage. For the record, we really like Nicolas Cage on this podcast. The Jerry Bruckheimer-produced box office success helped propel an original story into superstardom. The film would be written by Jim Coff and husband and wife screenwriting team Cormac and Marianne Wiberly. The strength of the tale focuses on the fictional Gates family, who have risked reputation and private finances to discover the long-lost Templar treasure. The Gates family, for several generations, has traced and collected evidence of clues leading to a treasure that dates back to the founding fathers of the United States. According to the film, all they needed to do was connect all the clues to see what the Knights Templar had once found and hidden away. While the Knights Templar had been a subject of speculation for hundreds of years, National Treasure truly put a spotlight on them like never before. The very real organization existed for almost 200 years from 1119 to 1312, a key organization that had the endorsement of the Pope during the Crusades. The order would hold influence across Europe as both a military and financial institution, balancing charity and military operations throughout the nearly 200-year war. During this time, Christian and Muslim forces fought for control over the Holy Land, or lands across Israel and Palestine, alongside various sites of religious significance. The Templars' contribution to the religious wars are well known, as they were heavily armored and grew a reputation for being able to win despite overwhelming odds. At one point, these odds grew as high as 40 to 1, during the Battle of Montcassard in 1177, as 500 Templar knights held off 26,000 from the Sultan Saladin's army. While these military exploits earned them footnotes across history for years to come, their downfall would bring about one of the biggest mysteries of all time. Even during the time of the Crusades, stories of vast treasures being housed in the Holy Land had been believed. Specifically, Solomon, who was the third king of Israel from 965 to 925 BC, had been rumored to be one of the richest kings according to history. One enduring reason for this belief is the Book of Kings, which details the amount of gold Solomon possessed. These riches ranged anywhere from chalices, entire tablets made of gold, and even as far as to claim that he owned the mythical Ark of the Covenant. As the Book of Kings describes, however, this included thousands of pounds of shields, 
thrones, and shekels, the currency of the time. All made from Solomon's vast resources. Where the Templars came into play with the Solomon legend occurred due to the lands that they had acquired during the Crusades. By 1099, they would acquire the Al-Aqsa Mosque, one of the sites amongst the Temple Mount, an area in Jerusalem where Solomon's temple would have stood. Due to the location and rumors of Templars excavating their new property, many believed that the last part of Solomon's riches were discovered here. Treasure or no treasure, unfortunately for the Templars, things would go a much different direction at this point in human history. By the mid-12th century, the Templars had been forced out of the Holy Land after several difficult losses in the northern areas of the region. With no major headquarters and waning power as an organization, the order would see itself hunted down by the church after mounting pressure from King Philip IV of France. Many historians point to this moment in history as significant, as it was an opportunity by King Philip to rid himself of massive debts owed to the Templars during his ongoing war with England during this time. Widespread arrests and public scrutiny soon became reality for the Templar, leading to seizure of the remaining lands and assets, and declining public image. Templars would be burned at the stake after forced confessions of false crimes against the church, and despite many of these confessions being recanted, the order would be disbanded by 1312. Any remaining Templar were declared criminals to the Christian monarchs of Europe. It was here that many stories began to evolve that the Templar who did escape took the treasures that they had acquired and found refuge in other areas across the world. This began rumors about moving vast riches to other countries, including a possible 18 ships that were once part of their fleet, each one packed with unimaginable wealth. Unfortunately, however, these rumors continued with no written account, made harder to prove as the Templar were slowly wiped out. So long story short, the Templars were essentially hunted down, and King Philip IV, kind of a dick. The question, of course, that many began asking after National Treasure hit theaters was, how much truth is there behind an elaborate set of international clues and a priceless Templar treasure? Well, the truth is actually quite a bit more complicated, but just as compelling as the 2004 movie tried to make it. The easiest place to start, a society the film claims made up the next progression of Templar legacy after the Crusades, the Freemasons. For those not in the know, the Freemasons began as an organization roughly around the same time as the Crusades, during the 13th century. Recognized as one of the oldest fraternal organizations ever created, the United Grand Lodge of England claims that worldwide there are over 6 million current members. While the modern version of the current establishment took root in 1717, the initial formation of the Freemasons centered around the craft of stonemasonry and a qualification system around crafting proficiency. As a stonemason rose through the ranks of their abilities, so did the trust of the guild to educate them on the secrets, passwords, and handshakes known amongst its leaders. 
Similar to the Templars, stonemasons earned a reputation across Europe, as its members gained reputations for quality work and equal pay aligned to their level of ability. As far as the American continent was concerned, however, they would not arrive until 1715 in pre-colonial Pennsylvania. In the fictional world of national treasure, this would be the connection that joined the Templars, Freemasons, and tall tales of plundered artifacts. While we can't definitively say that these organizations shared deep political ties, we can say that the claim of early United States government officials being Masons was in fact partially true. The Declaration of Independence would indeed be signed by nine Freemasons, and George Washington was also famously one of its members. In terms of the United States' founding fathers, in addition to the face of the $1 bill, Ben Franklin, Paul Revere, John Hancock, and John Marshall were all also notably involved in the North American chapters. Franklin and Revere in particular led the Pennsylvania and Massachusetts chapters, respectively. Famously within National Treasure, the Declaration featured a heat-activated invisible ink that held clues to the location of the vast, hidden Templar treasure. In many ways, its story leaned heavily into the ingenuity of the Freemasons' inner workings, but expanded on this by delving into ciphers, complex chemical knowledge, and stone construction across several colonial-era buildings. So at least in theory, if one were to build a conspiracy around this era in United States history, as National Treasure did, the opportunity and ability would have at least been there. However, the Declaration of Independence is one of the most researched and observed historical documents of all time. The only secret that has so far ever been found on the back of the Declaration is quite simple. It reads, Original Declaration of Independence, dated 4th July, 1776. We're sorry to say, while the Declaration can very likely be eliminated from contention as a pathway to interconnected Templar and Freemason secrets, there are still a few loose ends. In the history of aquatic vessels, many have been lost, never to be seen again. National Treasure would choose to begin its journey by focusing on a missing ship, a transport called the Charlotte, with the Freemason clue that a secret lived within it. In reality, many Charlottes have existed on the Earth's seas, which complicates pinning down a definitive one. However, a 1784 ship of that name had been built and sailed the world, and by records that still remain, show that it had a charter until at least 1819. Its main responsibility was to transport convicts to Australia, starting from the English Channel. In collaboration with the East India Trading Company, the Charlotte would make pit stops in China to bring back cargo on its return trips. Not much, however, is known about the vessel beyond the early 1810s, and the only remaining information about its fate came from Lloyd's Register, who, for many years, kept record of merchant vessels. The writers of National Treasure chose to say that the ship's fate involved becoming stuck in the Canadian Arctic, deep in several feet of ice. History, however, leaves the door open. Slightly. A ship called Charlotte was reported lost off the coast of Newfoundland, in the area of the Labrador Sea bordering the North Atlantic Ocean. 
The ship sank while traveling from Quebec to Liverpool. The only problem? It was lost in 1818. Reports of a similar ship would persist until 1821, but may have ended up being an error. But almost 200 years later, we still don't entirely know where the Charlotte is. So, while it is possible that it could house the secret to a long, winding series of clues, it's very highly improbable. Almost entirely able to be ruled out, but we want to mention the very small sliver of hope, just in case anyone's still trying to find a real connection. In the end, yes, National Treasure is mostly compelling fiction with real history sprinkled in. Its references are very well placed, and while its conspiracies look great on the big screen, the people, places, and things that make up its core mysteries served a very specific purpose. In a 2004 interview with National Geographic, Jim Coff, co-writer of the film's screenplay, shed light on exactly what that specific purpose was. Quote, I hope it gets people interested in the past. After seeing the movie, my daughter grabbed a copy of the Declaration of Independence and brought it to school with her. That was very exciting. Unquote. And with that, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Pop Culture Legends, a digital dissection miniseries. Be on the lookout for future episodes as we explore the relative unknown, as some of pop culture's stories lie just outside mainstream periphery. Follow us on your social media of choice and tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you in the comments or at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep on dissecting. And if you do happen to cross any missing Templar treasure or long-lost British ships, maybe just give us a small shout-out.